Hello, and welcome to the Enduring Sound Doctrine Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Roberts Sr. And let's go ahead and get started with the word of prayer. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you for yet another day. Lord God, we thank you for this opportunity to read of your word and to learn your scriptures. We ask that you impart wisdom, give us a deeper understanding, open the eyes of our heart and our ears that we might be able to hear from you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So this is episode two, and I thank you once again for coming back. For those of you that listened to episode one, in the last podcast, we talked about uh, defending the doctrine and the doctrines of Christ, read in Hebrews chapter six, verses one and two. And I talked a little bit about uh, the Bible, why I use a King James Bible, why everyone should use a King James Bible. And if you go to the description on the first podcast, you'll see a link, a few links, um, to why no one should read the New International Version and uh, some more links on Hebrew and the Hebrew language and the Hebrew alphabet. And we're going to talk in depth, actually, about that today. But uh, first, I want to go to a familiar scripture that defends uh, why the Bible, why why these scriptures, why these 66 books? And I know, you know, the skeptic out there will say, well, you can't use the Bible to defend the Bible. But I, uh, I disagree. <laughs> uh, if you go to 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16, should be easy to remember, 3.16. As a matter of fact, if, as you look through uh, a lot of the New Testament books, the 27 New Testament books, you go to the third chapter, and around the 16th verse of those books, you'll find very doctrinal statements. Uh, at least I have found that. First Timothy 3 and 16 talks about the oneness of God. Uh, one of my favorite is uh, Mark 3.16, uh, when, Jesus, when Jesus called Simon, and it says, Simon, he surnamed Peter. So he gave him that name, Simon Peter, and we all know the reason he surnamed him Peter, and that's in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, thou art Peter, and upon this rock. Um, another 316 is in Matthew 3, 15 and 16, where Jesus gets water baptized, and he says the reason for that is to fulfill all righteousness. Okay, so 2 Timothy 316, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And there's a colon there, which means you should probably should keep reading because it's going to explain everything that came before that colon. But we could stop right there and, and we still have a good uh, basis for why the Bible uh, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. The man or woman of God, the man there, this human, uh, the human race. 
So we that's why we use the word. And then we know in John, John's gospel, verse 1 and 1 says, In the beginning was the word. The word was with God, and the word was God. Also on 1 John chapter 5, verse 7, it says, There are three that bear record in heaven. Uh, I, I want to get it right. But I know it says the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. I want to get it right, so I'm going I'm to try to go there. First John chapter 5 and verse 7. There are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. And those are two different words there, the word are and one. So that's not like it was translated and stuck in there. It's not an italic. When you see an italic word in your Bible, in most Bibles, that means uh, it was stuck in there because there's no English translation for the word, either the Greek or the Hebrew word they translated that verse from. So they put in some English words to make it make sense to us. But that these three are one, are two different words. Um, and there are three that bear witness in earth, the spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three agree in one. And so there, that's why we believe that this word, these 66 books that we read, is the inspired word of God. We just read that in 2 Timothy 3.16, that these writers, these writers from Moses to uh, John, from Genesis to Revelation, these writers were inspired by God to pen these epistles, these books, these stories. And if you understand scripture and you see the background of these scriptures, you realize is that um, that these had to come together from inspiration of a superior being. There was a great mathematician by the name of Ivan Palin, and he was Russian who defected here to America, sort of like Einstein. And he was an atheist, and his sole purpose that he set out was to prove that God is not real. And the best way to prove that is to prove that his word is not real and full of contradictions. Because, of course, every good Christian's foundation is in the word of God. And this is, uh, I might be getting the timing right, this is like the early 1900s. You should look him up. Ivan Painin. I'm sorry, not Palin. Ivan Painin. And again, he uh, was set out to disprove the Bible, to prove that there are many fallacies in the Bible and that Christians don't have a leg to stand on. And so in order to do that, he went to the original transcripts of Hebrew for the Old Testament and Greek for the New. And he himself knew that the Hebrew letters in the, in, uh, in the Bible, each one of those have a value, as well as in the Greek. And he started doing things mathematically because, like I said, he was a mathematician and scientist. And what he discovered is that there was a one and something like a trillion chance that the way that these scriptures are structured, the way that they're worded, the way that they interconnect from Genesis to Revelation, that these writers could not have known each other. And that, of course, uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, and Paul 
knew of Moses, but they didn't know him personally. And for there to be any information passed from that time all the way up to theirs, some 4,000 years, there had to be, there had to be uh, a one in a, uh, in a trillion chance. Because when you look at Genesis 1 and 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then you look at John 1 and 1, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. And the word was God. And you look at the numbers behind that. I won't get into that necessarily right now. But everything comes together to point to the, the triune God that I just read in 1 John 5 and 7. And that God had always planned to send his, his son for our sins. And we're going to get into that today. And so what I want to do is talk about the Old Testament. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 9, and verse 16, for where a testament is, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. For a testament is of force after men are dead. Otherwise, it is of no strength while the testator liveth. This, of course, is talking about Jesus Christ. Jesus ushered in the New Testament by his death. In the natural, we know that uh, some people give a last will and testament. But that testament can't be executed until that testator, the person that has the testament, dies. I can't leave my son, my belongings, my house, my car, in my last will and testament until I'm gone. And so um, you could say that Moses ushered in the Old Testament or Abraham through their covenants that God made with them. And we know that with Moses, there was the, the uh, institution of the priesthood with Aaron and the tabernacle and the shedding or sprinkling of blood. If you go on to read the rest of this ninth, ninth chapter in the book of Hebrews, it talks about why there must be blood. It says, where there's, for there is no remission without the shedding of blood. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. That's in uh, Hebrews 9.22. And so the Old Testament, while still talking about Jesus, is not the revelation of Jesus or Jesus revealed, which is the New Testament. But Paul says it like this in the 15th chapter of the book of Romans. In verse 4, he says, Whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Those stories were not written just so they were neat stories, so we can read about Samson and, and uh, read about David. No, these stories, as the New Testament calls it, they were figures, patterns, Shadows, examples, and examples. F-E-E-P-S, as uh, my teacher calls it, feeps. Figures, examples, examples, patterns, and shadows. And yes, there's a scripture for every one of those. If I stay right in that ninth chapter of the book of Hebrews where I was reading, and I said that uh, the Bible, he says that where there is no shedding of blood, there is no remission. 
The very next verse says, it was, nece- it was therefore necessary that the patterns of things in the heavens should be purified with these, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. This is, of course, talking about the blood of Jesus being shed. And, of course, we know that Jesus came from heaven. God sent his only son, John 3.16. And so, uh, again, everything that God commanded Moses and Aaron and the priesthood to do was a pattern, a shadow of things to come when Jesus Christ would physically be on this earth, die, and rise again. If we go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and starting at the first verse, moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And did all eat the same spiritual meat and did all drink the same spiritual drink for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them. And that rock was Christ. So even the story of Moses, whose whose Hebrew name is Moshe, which means out of water. The story of Moses was a figure of baptism. First, uh, Peter in his first epistle puts it very plainly, very plainly. First Peter 3 and 20. He's not talking about, he's not talking about Moses, but he's talking about Noah. First Peter 3 and 20, which sometime were disobedient when once the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was a preparing, wherein few, that is eight souls, were saved by water. Eight souls were saved by water. The like figure, again, figure, examples, examples, patterns, shadows. Whereunto even baptism doth now save us. Eight souls were saved by water in the day of Noah. Now baptism doth save us, not the putting away of filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God. And you see this acted out in the 16th chapter of Acts. After Paul and Silas are released from the prison by the, uh, by the mighty uh, hand of God. And at midnight, Paul and Silas sang and sang praises unto God. And the jailer there would have killed himself. But Paul told him to hold his sword. And he witnessed to him. And the jailer said, what must I do to be saved? And he told him, all you have to do is believe. But then guess what? After he believed, he baptized him because that was the answer for his good conscience. He had already turned towards God, but he needed to be baptized. And so that baptism, he received the figure, the figure of Noah, Noah being saved on water. Noah's name, Noah, means comfort, the comforter. St. John 14, 26, the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, spirit, water, John 3 and 8, or John 3 and 5, except a man be born of water and spirit. Noah, comforter, spirit, 
the ark on water. You see how it's all interconnected. There are no mistakes, and uh, that's where I want to spend the crux of today's podcast at. Uh, so one more. Let's go to Hebrews 8 and 5. Let's start at verse 3. For every high priest is ordained to offer gifts and sacrifices. Wherefore, it is of necessity that this man have somewhat also to offer. Again, this is talking about the uh, Mosaic law. For it were, if for if he were on earth, he should not be a priest, seeing that priests, that there are priests that offer gifts according to the law, who serve unto the example and shadow of of heavenly things. So the priest were, was just a man. And they were not the actual things. As Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle, for see, saith he, that thou make all things according to the pattern showed to thee in the mount. And I could go uh, very deep, and there are better men than, than I that could go very deep into how everything on that tabernacle spoke of Jesus Christ and this word, how there was a number six and six and over the showbread. And of course, our Bible has 66 books. Um, so nothing there uh, written in the Old Testament is just there to be there. Every number, every story, every, every commandment is there to tell us about Jesus Christ. Of course, you know, there are prophecies in the Old Testament like Isaiah, unto us a child is born, a son is given, um, that speak directly of Jesus Christ, Psalms 22. And so, but then the even the things, all the, all the things in Chronicles, and, and like I was just saying, the things in Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers and even Deuteronomy, uh, when you talk about the, the Day of Atonement, all of those kind of things point to baptism, point to Jesus and his salvation plan for us. So <clears throat> we understand, again, that the Old Testament was written in Hebrew. And I want to, if I could, take a little bit time to talk about the Hebrew writing style and the Hebrew writing language. So just like in English, we have our alphabet, A, B, C, D, all the way to Z. In Greek, it's literally alpha, beta, all the way to omega. We know in Revelations, Jesus calls himself the alpha and the omega. So he's the beginning and the last. In the Hebrew, their alphabet literally starts with the letter aleph, aleph. And their last letter is Tau. And if you look at the Hebrew letters, the biblical Hebrew, biblical Hebrew should be easy for those of us English, American English speakers or, um, to pick up because uh, biblical Hebrew is very close to our American English language and alphabet. Alphabet, I should say, not the language. So that first letter Hebrew of Hebrew is Aleph. The second letter is Bet. The third letter is, is Gimel. 
And again, there'll be a link in the description so you can see these for yourself. And this being a audio podcast, it's kind of hard to describe these things to you. But every letter was a picture or a pictograph. Every letter meant something. It had a picture of something. So Aleph, while the letter itself would look closer to our X, the original picture looked like an ox. So it looked almost like an upside down A, a head with two horns coming out. And that's what the picture meant, an ox. It was strong, a leader, the first. And the next letter, bet, was like a picture. If you look at our letter B, our lowercase b, and you lay that down on its back, so with the long stick on, it, on, on, on the horizontal, and that's what the picture of the letter bet, it was a house or a tent. So, of course, their houses did not look like our houses. If we were to draw that quickly today, when we say house, we think of a square with a triangle on top, right? If we had to draw like a stick figure house. But their house, they dwelt in tents. They didn't have houses. They didn't have plumbing. They didn't have heating. So th their house bet looked like a lowercase b on its back. And so... I want to start with a few Hebrew words and just um, go through each letter and, and show you how it points to Christ. We just got done talking about that, how the Old Testament points to Christ. So let's start with the word, word, debar. When God spoke something, this was debar, the word. And that's the Hebrew uh, letter Daleth or Dalit, which was a picture of a door. The second letter is the letter B, or bet, or um, a picture of a house. And the last letter is resh. And resh was a, uh, initially a picture of a man's head. It means first or top. And so um, bet and resh, which are the last two letters, together is the word bar, which is son. And so when you look at this word, you got dalit and son, dalit and bar. Door, son. The word of God is the door to the son. Of course, that son being Jesus Christ. The door to the son. Let's look at another word, which might be familiar to most people, which is the word Torah, which is the law, of course. This is what God gave Moses. Uh, and that's the Hebrew, the last letter, Tau, or Tav which was a cross, a marking, or a sign. Then resh, again, which was a man's head. Va, which sp spoke of a nail or joining together. And he, which was a man beholding, a picture of a man beholding with his arms up. But in this case, he is the last letter. So when we look at that picture, he means what comes from. And then Tau is cross. Resh uh, is man. I'm sorry, it's Tau Va Resh He. So what comes from a cross nailed to that first man? Or what comes from the man being nailed to the cross? Of course, of course, that speaks of Jesus Christ. So even the first five books of the Bible, we call the Torah, the law, the Mosaic books speak 
the pictograph of that word speaks of Jesus Christ. Again, these are not definitions. These are what the pictographs of the letters that make up these words mean. I have another link where somebody else does this uh, in presentation form. So I know it's hard to visualize in this audio form. The next, the next word I want to use, or the next phrase, actually, it's a phrase, but it's one word. It's in the beginning, Genesis 1 and 1. In the beginning, God. The phrase in the beginning is the Hebrew word bereshith. And uh, if you can hear, b, the b was the first letter. And that's the letter bet. The second letter is resh. The third letter is aleph. The fourth letter is shin, which we haven't talked about, which means to consume. It was originally a picture of teeth. Yod, which was originally a picture of a hand and an arm. And tau, which again was a picture of a cross. So if you recall, bet and resh together is what? Sun. Aleph and shin together speak of uh, the ultimate sacrifice, a great sacrifice. Okay? Aleph means strong, shin meaning destroy. So it's a strong destroying or a strong sacrifice. Yad again was arms and tau was cross. So the phrase in the beginning is a picture of a son being sacrificed with his arms on the cross. His arms on the cross. So even from the very beginning, the Bible speaks about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the gospel. God coming down to save us. So when I looked this up and I discovered this and I got teaching on this, it got me excited because, you know, people will try to tell you that Jesus Christ didn't show up until Matthew, until the New Testament. But actually, Jesus was there from the beginning. In Revelation, when he said, I am Alpha and Omega, he meant that thing, literally. And so to tie this all back together, if we go to the New Testament and we go in Luke chapter 24, this is after Jesus rose from the dead. We go to Luke chapter 24, and there are two spots I like there. Um, and verse 27. Actually, it started 25. Then he said unto them, Jesus said, O fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he, Jesus, expounded unto him, unto them and all the, all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. If we drop down to verse uh 45, then, then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. If you go back to the 31st verse, it says, then they knew him and their eyes were open. And they said to one another, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us by the way and while he opened up to us the scriptures? So I, 
it is my prayer that you do a further study of these things. But again, when I found these out, when I was taught this, when I was shown this, it just blew my mind. We being Christians, we, we often, we love the story of Jesus Christ. But when you get a deeper understanding, you get a better revelation of who God is and what this thing is really all about. And so I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. That's all for today. And uh, I hope you'll join me again next week. Uh, I know the podcast doesn't have my correct email. It's drewroberts at yahoo.com. You can get me on Twitter at fuel cell engine. And I hope you guys leave comments. Uh, I want this to be interactive. So please uh, leave your remarks and actually your questions. And hopefully, you know, in future podcasts, I can answer those and we can have a dialogue. All right, let's end with prayer. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you for this opportunity. Well, God, we ask that you hide this word in our heart. Well, God, sow it on good ground that it might grow. Well, God, help us to get an understanding, a better knowledge of you, Lord God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you again, and I'll see you on the next time.